We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, dear listeners, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little bit deeper into life than you may do on your own, offering you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. I'm Callie Alpert, and I'm happy to say for the first time (laughs) since the history, since the beginning of One Soul Radio, I am literally here facing my dear friend, co-host and spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg, and we are broadcasting live from Los Angeles for a very special show. So first, let's say hello to each other, and then hello. we'll talk about what we're doing. Hi, Kelly. Hello. You're out of the cold weather. I am. I've escaped New York, <laughs> and I've been having a beautiful time here in California, and um, it's been very special, and today is an extremely special day before I make my departure back to New York tomorrow. It's a special day for me, too, because um, I've spent a lot of time here at Lake Shrine. Lake Shrine originally was down the street from us because we lived in the Palisades for many, many years. And I used to take my daughter here and we walk around and what she loved, of course, were the swans. Mm. And so we would come to see the swans And we'd walk around and I'd talk to her about Yogananda. And then at other times I would come here myself. Sometimes I'd meditate in the grotto, which is a very, people don't know about the grotto. And other times in the chapel and on the houseboat. So it's a very, very special place for me. So as you so aptly set up today, we are doing a show. We're continuing our mini series about our favorite legendary spiritual self-help legends. And we're coming to you live from the Self-Realization Fellowship Lake Shrine here in Los Angeles because we are honoring the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, the master who brought Eastern wisdom to the West. So his exquisite personal journey is detailed in Autobiography of a Yogi, which is one of the most seminal books. And we're going to talk about how it's deeply shaped our spiritual lives, Mm -hmm. even mine and millions of other people. It's among one of the most important spiritual stories of our time, even gifted by Steve Jobs to every, or at least most people he encountered. I think it was the only book that was living on his Kindle or That's something right. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Yogananda introduced millions of people to meditation and yoga, meeting with everyone from business leaders to U.S. presidents to spread his wisdom and his profound teachings of enlightenment, inner happiness, and mysticism are now embodied here in um, this Lake Shrine Temple and other temples around the world. Um, And in this very special episode today, we're going to be talking about the sacred place where Yogananda actually lived for a time. We're going to discuss how he influenced so many. And we're especially excited because we're joined by a very special guest, 
Brother Ritananda, who has been a monk of this order for 41 years and has lived on this gorgeous property for the last 10 years. So we're going to be having him join us in just a few minutes. Um, so let's talk first about um, autobiography of a yogi and how it came to us, because mm-hmm. you have quite a story about how this beautiful book found its way to you and what it did for you. Yeah, I really do, because um, at the time I was at NYU in New York, and uh one day I went to the uh, Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. Uh-huh. Remember? <laughs> I love this story. I like it a lot. I love this story. I went to the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens and I was walking around and I saw what looked like a Japanese temple. And yet it had a fence around it. And I was so moved by the architecture that I climbed the fence and I wrapped my hands around one of the pillars And it was given to the city of Brooklyn by the city of Kyoto. And as I did that, I started crying. And I remember this is something I know from the past. And I had no idea about reincarnation. You were a teenager, right? Like a college student? 18, right? And so that happened. I go, what has happened to me? You know, I was going out of my mind. A week later, somebody said, you have to read this book. And what was it? Autobiography, Autobiography of, of a yogi. yogi, which I'm holding a precious, very clean copy of um, that's just been uh, handed to us just as a nice visual reference. So when you see the show on YouTube or Facebook, you'll, you'll see actually what I'm holding up here. Um, but it's definitely, it's the book that's changed a lot of people's lives and often introduced people to spirituality, right? And I started reading it and Yogananda started talking about the idea of reincarnation. And I thought, reincarnation, that's what I felt at this temple. Mm. So all these things began to happen. And that, of course, was the book that I carried around with me, honestly, most of my life. I read it again a couple of years ago, and uh, it's had a profound impact on me. Yeah. I am. I want to say also, if our listeners would like to call in today, share any stories, ask us any questions, get some guidance. And we have some special, you know, because we have an extra wise man with us today. So we've got extra juju flowing here. No pressure, brother. Um, that the, <laughs> the number is 816-251-3555. We'd love to hear from you. We are here to receive your calls. Um, I don't remember... I remember that this book sat on my bookshelf for a while and I was a little daunted by the um, thickness of it. I mean, I say that now and I laugh because it's so delicious and not a very daunting book to read, just so worth it. But at the time I wasn't ready perhaps. And I remember finally getting to it. I don't, I must've been in some part of my spiritual journey. Maybe um, I don't know. I think I was probably into my late thirties, forties, perhaps. So I was already, you know, on my spiritual trajectory for at least 10, 15 years. And I remember, and this is still what I remember about the book, um, most loudly, is that I felt a transmission from it. It was one, it was probably the very first time that I recognized the power and magic or the word, I think in Sanskrit or Hinduism, um, city, like S-I-D-D-H-I, like the powers and the idea of high consciousness and what high vibrational 
um, energy can do in a magical mm -hmm. way. And in reading what is a very true and autobiographical story, I got a taste of that that I had never even read about, let alone certainly experienced before. So that to me was um, probably the most memorable, memorable thing about reading the book was the visceral experience that I had, you know, in learning about his story. Um, and it stays with me to this day. Yeah. So when's, do you remember the first thing that you learned or like what first moved you? Well, yeah. I mean, at 18 years old, during that time, everybody was doing drugs. Mm -hmm. We all remember that time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think what the book did for me, and it's actually, I'm, I'm talking about, it's very moving. It gave me the sense that what people were after was actually inside of them and could be done naturally. Mm. I think that's the most important thing that I learned. Mm. So shall we talk before we have Brother Ritananda join us? Um, should we talk just a little bit about um, Yogananda's story? What would, you, what would you like to share about his story? Do you want to ask yeah, well, the Brother Ritananda about it? Yeah, we can start. Yeah. We can start with that. Well, so let's welcome the bro yeah. Brother Ritananda. <laughs> the, I just put an article, <laughs> but you know, the, sorry. Um, uh, but we would like to introduce you, and it's so nice to have you here, and we Thank you for welcoming us and for participating with us today. So first of all, appreciation for that. It's a pleasure to have you with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, you introduced, thank you for the introduction. And uh, you introduced me as a wise man, but I think you're getting a wise guy. <laughs> Even better. We'll go for it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're down for that. We're down for that. Can you give us a little bit of a, um, the history, what you think is noteworthy? I mean, obviously, it's a very thick story, so it's hard to do justice to a, a full life in a few minutes. But some standouts in terms of for setting the stage for people that might not be as familiar with Yogananda and his story? I think that one of those factors may be if it opens one's eyes, as it did with Steve, of undreamed of possibilities. I was raised in a certain faith and I enjoyed church. I was still going to church in college when I came across Autobiography of a Yogi, but what it introduces is that we're a triune being, we have a body, we have a mind, but we are the soul, and that we can, through self-effort and knowledge of God's laws, we can contact that soul, we can realize it, and that soul, as all the true scriptures state, is made in the image of God, so we can realize God within and then the next step is realize God without in that same divine spark that is within us is in every person. And that we realize, we don't just intellectually understand, we don't theorize, we realize the divine kinship with all other souls. And that will be and can only be the permanent foundation for world peace and happiness. Mm. Beautiful. So wonderful, I know, beautiful, especially today. Yeah. Right? Do you think that uh, Yogananda knew or had a vision for wisdom and the world when he was a young boy and first set out? Because I'm always fascinated by mm -hmm. these very high ascended masters, yogis. And when you learn about the early stages of their story, often there was a calling or they just said, mm -hmm. see you, mom and dad, I'm leaving to go to the mountains to find the cave where, and I don't mean to be flipped, but like, yeah. you know, often there's some sort of a calling or a curiosity and then they find their way and they find their teachers. And it's a very magical thing. Do you think that he had any sense when he set out as a young boy in India that 
he was going to bump into what he did? He had a sense, but to be an example for us, they, uh, an avatar, a prophet, they have no karma. They worked it all out. They're under no compulsion to return to this plane, but uh, they do. It, Lord Christian says in, in the Gita, when vice predominates and virtue declines, I send an avatar to uplift mankind. And, uh, but to be an example for us, they incarnate and they take on a certain level of delusion just to stay in a body because they're free, free souls. So they do not come with a script. They do not come with a game plan that says, okay, do this, 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 and this. They, he had glimpses, Paramahansa Gananda, as I'm sure Jesus and a Buddha and a Krishna also had glimpses, but it's not all laid out for them. And so they have to reason, will, and act just like us. And they experience successes and failures just like us, joys and sorrows just like us. And then through self-effort, they come to the realization of their, their mission. But as an example for us, they struggle and uh, fail and so forth, just like us. And, but eventually they get that full vision, yes. Uh, could you talk a little about how uh, you found Yogananda and how it changed your life over the years? Yes. Um, my story has a unique twist, at, uh, something like Cali's, because... I grew up in the shadows of Paramahamsa's ashrams. I lived uh, five minutes away from the international headquarters in Los Angeles on top of Mount Washington, but I never knew about it. If, if, you ever, if you've ever been there, it's these narrow, windy streets that lead to the top of Mount Washington, and you don't, you don't stumble across the international headquarters. But my family in 1962 bought property in Encinitas and built a house mm-hmm. and that was two and a half miles away from the Encinitas ashram of self-realization <laughs> fellowship. It's funny how these things happen. Right? Yes. And back then there was no freeway from LA to San Diego, uh-huh. only highway 101, which goes right by these huge Lotus towers of the Encinitas ashram center. <laughs> so I always knew about the Encinitas ashram center, but I was raised in another faith and I enjoyed it. And we were, not uh, encouraged to uh, investigate other temples or teachings. And so I didn't. But by the time I was in college, my freshman year, two of my best friends had moved to Encinitas full time and they started to take half a yoga. And their half a yoga teacher gave them a copy of Autobiography of a Yogi. And they soon told me, you've, you've got to read this book. And so I bought a copy. Uh, and like Callie, I set it on a bookshelf for a year or more. And it wasn't until I was on a plane to go live in New Zealand and study in university for my junior year that I read the autobiography on the plane. Uh, mm. By the time I landed, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> my life was changed. Wow. And yet for the first time in my life, I'm 6,500 miles away from mm. all the options. <laughs> mm, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh-huh. the time wasn't right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so that was the beginning for me. Hmm. And uh, then I was hooked. And I, when I got back to the United States, um, I applied for the lessons. Paramahansa Yogananda founded a set of home study lessons to disseminate the meditation techniques and his how to live teachings on how to spiritualize every aspect of your life. There's no aspect of our life that uh, needs to be separated from our spiritual search. Right. And so we can spiritualize and use every moment to move closer to the goal of self-realization, God-realization. 
And so uh, I applied for those and within two and a half years of returning uh, from New Zealand, I was in the monastic order. It's, it's me. It's always so fascinating to me how people come to their spiritual practice. Well, there's just their spiritual ride, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and who chooses to be on one or who doesn't find their way in a particular time of their life or particular lifetime, if you believe in that as well. You know, so it's, do you remember like when you got off the plane in New Zealand and you had this, the energy of this story now in you for the first time, did it um, inform your trip or interrupt it? No, it was, I, I, this is the the truth. I went straight from the airport to a bookstore and bought a book of Paramahansa Yogananda's and he has a little one called Metaphysical Meditations, has a, a number of meditations visualizations affirmations and prayers and just devotional thoughts and that was what i kept mm. with me in new zealand I, I couldn't apply for the lessons i could have but i was moving around too much i spent five months um, backpacking and hitchhiking around new zealand australia fiji and hawaii but I, I was able to carry this little book and it that was every morning i read it and carried that inspirational thought with me throughout the day and so that it is I was visiting New Zealand, Hawaii, Fiji, New Zealand, and had these spiritual thoughts that, and inspiration. It was the fondest uh, time of my life when I reflect oh, back. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. So we just want to remind our listeners yeah. that you're listening to One Soul Radio. We're having a very special day here. Steve and I together in Los Angeles at the Self-Realization Fellowship Lake Shrine. Joined by Brother Atananda, we're celebrating Yogananda, who left his body about 70 years, 70 years ago March to the 7th, week, right? Yes. 10 days ago? Yes. Is that right? March okay, 7th, thank you. I Yeah, believe. so right? even more auspicious that we're here to get, because we didn't plan that part no. intentionally. Um, but That's all, divine intervention. It is. It's really a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful thing. Um so, Ritananda, can you tell us a little bit about Lake Shrine, where we're sitting? We're indoors, um, outside of the, the main temple, um, with a beautiful... Steve and I have both spent much time here separately over the years, well before we ever knew each other. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned earlier, meditating, walking, hiding. <laughs> I might have even hugged a tree once or twice. Um, can you tell us about living here, what that is for you, and just the significance of this location? Well, Lake Shrine was the vision of our founder, Paramahansa Yogananda, and it was dedicated to inspiring one's remembrance of the divine, of our connection to God, of, to spirit. And it was dedicated in 1950, and there are many purposes. And one of our aims and ideals of Self-Realization Fellowship is to... Um, reveal the underlying unity and and principles of truth of all true religions. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things he did here was dedicate a court of religions where there's a small monument to each of the five major Mm -hmm. religions, because his point was through mistranslation and mankind's uh, narrow mindedness and Mm -hmm. so forth through the centuries, um, the, the different faiths maybe have been at odds and so forth, but if you had to reduce the purpose of religion down to a nutshell, it would be when Christ was asked, what's your uh, most important commandment? And he said, uh, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the purpose of religion. And that's at the core of each religion. Maybe it's been um, muddied right now 
but they will all come to that realization. And uh, the purpose of all true religions is communion with God. And that's why he dedicated this property. He wanted, it's, there's a natural two acre lake and then landscaped uh, garden, meditation gardens around the lake. Because he wanted to uh, remind people of God through the beauty of nature. And a, a, an avatar like Paramatukananda, like a Christ, like a Buddha, like a Krishna, they can permeate a physical location with that vibration of peace and love. And that's certainly mm. true here. Um, you talked, Steve, about hugging that calm and mm. tears coming to your eyes. Yeah. And we hear again and again, people come here, drive in the parking lot, park their car, and just start sobbing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's perfect, Mm -hmm. isn't it? We need more of those places. I think the idea originally, and it it may have happened, is that Paramahansa Yogananda wanted these in every large city in the United States, didn't he? Yes. Uh, He just wanted... You know, it's interesting. We're not denominational. Yeah. And, and because Paramahansa Ji taught that there's many paths to the top of a mountain. We don't all have to be on the same path. Right. But he would say, but it's important we are on a path. Because, again, we are a triune being. And one of the aims and ideals of SRF is uniform development of body, mind, and soul. And that development of the soul is something that had been kind of lost in the West. And so anything that can remind us of God, uh, he's in favor of. It's perfect. Mm. Yeah, it's really, I think too, sometimes you have to remember as like, even as I'm listening to you talk and, you know, um, I'm I'm accustomed to these types of conversations with Steve personally and um, through our show. And then we have to remember this language is very new to a lot of people. A lot of our listeners that are just starting to explore um, their Mm -hmm. spiritual life or, Um, trying to dig a little bit more deeply and sometimes it's important to remember that it's just like it's it is energetic it's how good do you feel when you're in a quiet space and walking in a path in the woods or looking at a beautiful flower it's all infused with the exact energy you're talking about right it's not necessarily attached to something that's bigger inaccessible or um, you know waiting for us when we leave this planet like it's in it's around us every day right in front of us right. as long as we open up and notice it and just sort of it doesn't have it. to be in a temple right it doesn't have to a be mosque a temple. right a it's synagogue true. right it's it can true. be next to a tree yeah right yeah um and i do it's interesting i love the i um what you spoke about in, t- in terms of him wanting to infuse these types of places with that kind of energy because i've always felt that way when i came here yeah so, so let me ask you, and we, we'll let you know when we get to break, but let me ask you, in terms of your participation in this kind of new spirituality that you found, what kind of techniques did Yogananda leave for all of us? And uh, I wanted to know about Kriya Yoga, because it's called Kriya Yoga, and Kriya Yoga is actually mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, I think. Yes, it is. So it's very, very, very old. It goes back to the uh, Vedic tradition in India. And I wanted to know how those techniques impacted you and what they are to some degree. Yes, yeah. Well, Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, he, as I said, he had these uh, lessons, his homestudy lessons. 
And he talks about, you know, the science behind prayer, how to make it more powerful, the science behind self-control. And he talks about getting along with others, how to uh, spiritualize every aspect of our life, which is uh, very important. Uh, but his unique mission, because things like devotion and forgiveness, these things have been known for centuries in religion. But Paramahansa Yogananda's uh, unique mission was the reintroduction of the lost science of Kriya Yoga meditation. Oh, oh. Because we go through these, well, we went through the Kali Yuga, as it's referred to in India, or right. we went through the Dark Ages. And now we're in the beginning stages of the Dwapara Yuga, the uh, electrical or material age. Mm and so forth and um, so in the Kali Yuga man's consciousness is too gross it's, they, they don't have the word energy they don't have the word consciousness mm-hmm. and so it's, it's, it's maintained by uh, a few advanced souls through that dark age uh, but this world Paramahansa Yogananda's mission is to reintroduce the lost sides of uh, Kriya Yoga which is a pranayam technique uh, prana okay. means life energy, prana uh, or life uh, force, and yama means control. So it's a, a technique of uh, life force control. And it's life force that enlivens us. The body needs water and food and sunlight and oxygen, but that's the body. But we're this triune being, we are the soul. It's the prana entering the body that enlivens us. And it enters the body through the medulla, the back of the skull. And then it flows down the spine and it flows through the cerebral spinal centers, the chakras. And through each chakra, that enlivens different organs or tissues or muscles and so forth, or activities such as circulation and these things. But that uh, prana goes down and it flows out the three lower chakras, the coccyx, the sacral, the lumbar, and that enlivens the senses. And that's how mm. we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell material creation. And it so overwhelms our consciousness that we forget our divine connection. So on that note, we're here listening to Once All Radio. We are here at the Self-Realization Fellowship Lake Shrine in Los Angeles with Brother Ritananda. We're going to take a short break and we come back. We're going to ask some more questions about modern day spirituality and how all of us can start to employ more of that in our daily lives. We will be right back. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, dear listeners, to One Soul Radio. Steve and I are actually together in the same space in Los Angeles. So he was cueing me. Yes, Like a director, like a good director does. So we're here doing a very special show today from the Self-Realization Fellowship 
Lake Shrine here in Los Angeles with our special guest, Brother Ritananda. Um, and right before the break, you were starting to explain a little bit more deeply the premise of um, Kriya Yoga and how it works with the chakras. And it's a, it's a technique of uh, life force control, pranayama. And as we said, we are enlivened by that prana entering the body, flowing down the spine, and ultimately out the, all the chakras, but the three lower chakras enlivens the senses that uh, so dominates our consciousness, we become unaware of our divine nature. But through practice of a pranayama meditation technique, through, through Kriya Yoga, we can gain control over that prana, the flow of the prana. We can reverse the flow, withdraw it from the senses into the spine, up the spine to the higher chakras where we perceive spirit and fulfill like the psalm says, be still and know that I am God, not just believe, not just have faith. And pranayama allows us to fulfill that where we can not just believe in the divinity within us, not just intellectually understand it. We can realize it. We can experience it. Kriya yoga is not a philosophy we talk about. It's a science that we apply that leads to an experience. Before we go to yeah. your question yeah. that I know you're, that you're keen to ask, when's the last time you have felt that like a kind of real Kundalini experience or high consciousness experience based on that practice? What does that feel like? I don't want to project my definition of that onto you. God is infinite. And so it can manifest in an infinite number of ways, but um, there's a, there's a Sanskrit word, Satchitananda translates to ever existing, ever conscious, ever new joy. And that's, that's the definition that Paramahansa liked of God the most that describes it. So, um, a sacred peace, uh, infinite joy, uh, happiness, a feeling of well-being. You know, quite frankly, all the experiences that our peers have in these near-death experiences of this mm-hmm. beauty, of this freedom, it can be any one of those. God is infinite, and there's an infinite number of manifestations that we will experience. And that's why, uh, well, we can get into it later. Uh, in very, his very first talk in this country, Paramahansa Ji talked about that every single person on the planet is seeking the same thing. And we could say, well, that's, that's crazy. That's, we're all so different and everybody's doing all kinds of different things. And some people are, you know, life of crime and this, that, and the other thing. But if you peel away all the letters, uh, all the layers, it's, we all want to eliminate pain and suffering from our lives. Yeah. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. And that, that would leave us in a good state of peace, but that's ultimately not enough. We want something uh, proactive we want happiness but we don't want a happiness that is temporary we want a happiness that we're always aware of that we're um, is never grows stale we know everything in this world has a limited shelf life we want a happiness that never grows stale and so, and we want a happiness always and so that the definition of god that i just used ever existing ever conscious ever new joy we want that eternal happiness we want an infinite happiness that is ever new what can meet that criteria of infinite, eternal, only God? So even the, the criminal is, yeah. is performing his crimes because he thinks it'll eliminate pain and give him yeah. happiness. He's misguided, but it's true. We are all seeking the same thing. And the, the, set, the fulfillment can only be found in God. Liberation. I love that, right? Freedom. I would say my life has been dedicated to that. 
So, so you've summed up my life. <laughs> and I want and that's not an easy task, I just want to say. <laughs> right? I deserve some extra points over here. Yes. You got it. So when I was reading Yogananda's book recently, I think it's actually uh, The Divine Romance, right? Yes. There's a quote in there that I absolutely love. And it speaks to what you were talking about just now. So Yogananda was very fond of using the idea of a picture screen. I watched Awake. Awake, by the way, is a wonderful movie Beautiful for people documentary. to watch. Documentary that came out, I don't know how many years ago. Do you remember? I can't. I'm going to check. I don't remember. Not a very long time ago. A friend of mine was in that movie, Phil Goldberg. Check. And um, he talked over and over again when they had these old films of him about the screen and we're watching the screen. And this quote talks to that. 2014. 2014. Is when the documentary came out. Awake. Everybody should watch it. You are walking on the earth as in a dream. Our world is a dream within a dream, which is interesting. You must realize that to find God is the only goal, the only purpose for which you are here. For him alone you exist, him you must find. That's a very deep topic. <laughs> right. We can give it sufficient time because <laughs> this can be misunderstood and because God, he, he often spoke of life as God's dream. He also mm -hmm. called it, he, he modernized it during his life. He said he called it uh, life as creation as God's cosmic motion picture. Mm -hmm. In the Indian scriptures, it's described as God's leela, God's divine play. Mm -hmm. And then if he was alive today, I think he would call it God's cosmic streaming. <laughs> but that's great and it's mentioned in various um, in the bible even in, in revelations it once says oh lord thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created mm. talking about this entertainment value but i mm. think it's safe safe to say for all of us that life has its moments it has its joys and happiness and achievements and fulfillments and yet we live in a world of duality. And so that's always counterbalanced by sorrows. And, uh, you know, love is counterbalanced with hate and light with darkness and joy with sorrow and so forth. So there's too much of that mixed in for us to really see the entertainment value in this. But the thing is, it, what it does is it gives us uh, space to cultivate the non-attachment to the world so that in, in the words of Paramahansa Yogananda, that we turn the wheel of life instead of being run over by it. Oh, that's mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because there's probably no quality mentioned more often in the Bhagavad Gita than non-attachment, non-attachment. Mm -hmm. But this, this, this is God's dream and non-attachment never gives us license to become indifferent or impractical mm -hmm. or irresponsible Beautiful. or unfeeling toward the suffering of others. But it gives us enough space to cultivate that detachment so we can maintain our, uh, our poise and then reason will enact. What can I do about the seeming cruelties and injustices? 
not be destroyed by them. So it's a proactive type of spirituality. Yes, it, it, it is. And um, again, it never gives us license. So I would say everything that like we talk about at our services, everything in Paramahansa's teachings, it's okay, how does this affect my life? How can I use this in my life? How can I use this to deepen my love for God, my uh, awareness of God and so forth? And so with this, it's he, he, he refers to life as God's dream because when God created, there's the causal creation. There's astral. Astral is light and energy. There's the physical. But the causal is God's blueprint. It's in thought. And so behind all creation, the creation, preservation, and destruction is that causal realm of thought. So creation, you could say, is all God's thought. God's dream and uh, so we can use that again uh, to turn the wheel of life instead of being run over by it mm. it's very important I love that quote yeah it's beautiful it almost takes away that for lack of a better word the victimization piece because people are constantly thinking that life's happening to them yes and and one of the you know I'm, I'm smiling because right be- on my way over here this morning I'm visiting Los Angeles for the last few weeks and I had a nice long breakfast with a very dear old uh, work friend of mine and we were having this whole conversation and he's also found his way from being more of a devout Christian for the first few decades of his life to more of a spiritual non-denominational so I um, kind of practice right now and he's still in the earlier stages of it and he was saying but I, you know I don't understand but why and why and why would you know, why would we sign up for something like this? I was joking about the things we say. Why would people choose sometimes, we humans, to incarnate and be, to, to experience or be subjected to a lot of the challenges and strife mm-hmm. and suffering that happens here on earth? And I was giving him my best explanation of the karmic wheel and how we choose that, but how it's also an opportunity from a godly place to learn and to really become more surrendered to the higher peace through these challenges and these, these struggles, but it takes a certain lens and a decision, I think, and a lot of practice to even consider that it's not how it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a human um, reflex. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. I think you could dedicate a whole show to the the purpose of (laughs) pain and suffering, but I I like how Paramahansa Yogananda used that cosmic motion picture, because if we look at, at an actor, and they may get, you know, shot up or fall from a cliff and so on and so forth. And with special effects, you know, the gory details, nothing is spared. And yet when the director calls cut, that actor is no worse for wear. And it's the same with us. Our bodies may be, you know, burnt by fire or something or this, that. But the soul is always untouched and we are the soul. And so that can help us process the seeming cruelties and injustices and maintain our poise so that we can... Be a better husband, be a better parent, be a better uh, positive, loving, constructive contributor to our world. And and I think that uh, to add on to that, that ability to make contact with our deeper self does come from uh, practice, meditation practices, uh, pranayama practices, right? And so this is something that Kelly and I uh, reinforce on our show how important it is for people to do a practice. We don't care what practice it is. As Yogananda, we don't care what path it is. We just want people to find a path to begin contacting their inner self 
And by doing that, that inner self becomes a portal to what you're talking about, mm-hmm. which is God and the, yeah. and the divine. You start to sort of check in. And I think, again, to back into, because I'm always thinking about some of our loftier concepts and more kind of applicable ways for people that might not be as accustomed to this type of language or conversation. Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't know, within the last few months, there's been a visual uh, metaphor that's been popping into my mind a lot about the value of non-attachment or witnessing or observation, the benefits of space that come from a practice like meditation, for example. And I liken it to, you know, you're, you're in a small theater in a high school auditorium and you're watching a school play and you want to sit in the front row because you want a really good seat and you're completely enveloped by the energy of that story and that narrative and you feel the sweat and, you know, the energy of the actors and you're almost inside of the story. And then the more you practice and the more you meditate, the f- further and closer to the back row you feel inclined to sit. And there becomes more implicit space inside of witnessing that story until you can just exit through the back door and you don't even have to, you know, you don't even have to worry about what the the story ends, really. Um, But anyway, it just kind of helps when I'm explaining it to myself, the value of practice or to other people. It's just something that's sort of come to mind. And uh, Paramatsuji would stress, and he brought this path, because some people think, well, I I'd have to retire to the Himalayas to pursue this. I would have to join a monastic order. But that's the beauty of a pranayama technique such as Kriya Yoga. We can all practice it in the privacy of our home. And there's no reason we can't make the spiritual progress that a Paramahansa Yogananda made, St. Francis made, and so on and so forth. But it's carving out time, making, introspecting, finding out unnecessary, unnecessary necessities in our life, Removing those so we have some time, morning and evening, to meditate, to practice, and then practice the presence of God throughout the day, selflessly serve in these things. And we can make, we can follow in the footsteps of a Buddha, of a Krishna, of a Paramahansa Yogananda. Because really they're just telling us what is inherent and intrinsic to being human. And we all carry that light. Yes. We all, that seed of divinity is within each one of us. Right. And it, the highest purpose of life is to realize that. Yes. Yes. I remember when I, well, now I'm on the verge of tears because it's just so beautiful to hear you, t- you know, all of us talking, just sort of having this conversation and witnessing this. Um, but I remember when I first met Steve and he said to me, you have to, it was something to the effect of you have to want to know God to the same degree that a drowning man needs a breath of water. I might (laughs) be butchering it a little bit. It was a Tibetan phrase. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I don't understand. It's not that I want it that badly. Yeah. I want to feel better. (laughs) I want to be happier about my life. Now I so deeply understand that, you know, it, um, it really becomes just a part of your, your day, your daily practice of wanting to remember you know who we really are what our true essence is actually down in the uh, where the lake is oh behind me there's a wonderful which i always stopped at there's a, a wonderful quote from yogananda where he said you you and you can tell me if i'm off a little but you need to see god everywhere yes yeah and that's one reason uh, again an intent of a uh, founding Lake Shrine is to see God. He said, God is smiling at us in the flowers and he's caressing us in the breeze, just like St. Francis talked to brother, son, sister, moon. Yeah. And 
God is, we are reminded of God in the beauty of nature. And we should learn to relate all life's experiences to God. And so the beauty is easy, but then ultimately the pain and the suffering, there's a reason for it. What is it? What can I learn through this? How can I grow closer to God through this? How can I deepen my love for God through this experience? What soul call is, do I have an opportunity to uh, cultivate through this experience? Because we make our greatest progress when we're pushed outside of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. We all know that. And yeah, it's I'm not, not happy to say it. I wish I didn't have to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's, true. it's not it's fun. Though, right? It's not pretty, but it's it is right. true. And that's why I like uh, you talked about it's, it's a struggle. And Paramahansa Yogananda said it is he who struggles who finds favor with God. It's going to be a struggle. It's supposed to be. That's okay. Just do your best. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do it all in one day. Just do your best. Every time you fall, you pick yourself up. And you start again. I have to say that again because it's so beautiful. Through struggle, you find favor with God. That's gorgeous. Mm. Question um, for people that are not comfortable with the word God. How do you get our listeners to relate to everything we're talking about today if we take that word out of the sentence? Yeah, use spirit, universal consciousness. It could be anything. Parapanza Yogananda started all his services with a universal prayer. Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God. And that's because not everybody uh, can relate to God the Father. It's, it, but in India, Divine Mother's big. Or a friend. A friend is somebody who has an, under no compulsion to love you. And that, so that may be the aspect. Of, but if you're comfortable with other language, that's fine. These are just words. These are just semantics. But it's some... Uh, consciousness greater than just human consciousness so i understand um, and we're tough off, uh, we're often asked when we're giving an interview like this do you have to use the word god so much <laughs> <laughs> but it's so just substitute a word you're comfortable with but it's just that that infinite loving consciousness that greater mm-hmm. consciousness just uh, substitute that word whatever it is for you substitute that word for god even love love right Absolutely. So, we, do we have time for more? I think we have time we? maybe for um, one more question before we get into our action steps that I'm especially excited to share today because Brother came up with them um, to share his insights with us today. And we can have everybody take those away from our show. But um, before that, I'm wondering what um, what do you think it means to be spiritual in 2022? And does it differ from the last time Yogananda was here on these premises, for example, just hypothetically, you know, decades ago, does it really differ? I think outwardly it could take different shades, but uh, the point is, is that uniform development of body, mind, and soul, and making sure that we're balancing our lives and dedicating some to the development of the soul. But uh, this, the science of Kriya Yoga that Paramahansa brought, he brought it at this time because it is such a struggle in this Dwapara Yuga especially if you're a parent and add on all these other things. But in the privacy of your own home, twice a day, you can carve out time to meditate. And I think that's, that's the vision. This is the streamlined model of the modern yogi. Is we don't have to go to the Hamayas. We don't have to even go to a temple or a church. Right in our own bedroom, a corner dedicated to meditation, we can realize God. 
we can seek God through uh, meditation and, and prayer. And then again, as we said, fill the gaps in a day. And a, a lot of times, 100% of our concentration is needed on our work, whether we're uh, coding for, on the computer or so on and so forth. But when there's a gap, bring your mind back to God, back to that loving consciousness, back to whatever concept you have of that universal spirit. And you'll feel your uh, consciousness just being lifted. And things that bothered you a week ago, a year ago, no one, no, you know, now it's the small stuff and don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> right. It's all kind of the same. And I remember I, yeah. I once thanked, this is an old boyfriend of mine from high school. And I thanked him recently. We're not in touch except like on Facebook fleetingly. And he had these expressions like go with the flow. And I'm like, that is the most annoying cliche type <laughs> thing. And now it has such, de- and it's yeah. not what he intended. He wasn't on a spiritual path at that time. It was just a teenage expression. And now it has so much gravity you know, or uh, so much um, gravitas, I should say, and importance to me. You know, it's just uh, um, the other thing that I think is really helpful to your point, brother, um, about what you just said is that. Um, sometimes it just takes asking, like if you're having a bad day, if you just find the quiet and then you ask your higher self right. just to come and give you, you know, give you a little help or help a little to, nudge, a little nudge. It really, ha- it happens. It helps. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very, uh, well, that's very a easy. Point. Yeah. Divine, uh, God is closer uh, than your breath and heartbeat, nearer than the near, um, like your best friend. And that's how we should approach God. Talk to God in the language of our soul just like we're talking now not in prayers that we think we should say don't say what you think you should say say what's in your heart and so he he taught hey if we're not feeling the love we can go after god god's a big man a big boy he can take it uh, i didn't ask to be created you created me you you know give me your love fill my heart yes (laughs) put the ball in god's court and that's the relationship that we'll find very beneficial and that again will uplift our consciousness to levels we didn't think possible Mm. i have to do a little quote from kabir who's the great mystical poet of india and somebody asked kabir where is god kabir says he's the breath within your breath Mm. (laughs) beautiful that's beautiful yeah um, so let's get to our action steps. This was one of the fastest hours, I think, of our lives. I think so. <laughs> um, especially our once all radio li- life. Um, so we're going to share actually four action steps. And Brother Otananda, um shared these with me earlier. I might be merging or a few, but we're going to say, I'm going to say there's four of them. Typically we do three, but why not a bonus today? So the first one is to carve out some time every day to get to know your soul and ideally, that comes in the forms of even um, the form of even three minutes of meditation every morning and every evening, um, just as a way to find quiet and to check in with yourself. Second one, find a version of spiritual study. Um, it could be a passage that you have from a favorite affirmation book. It could be an inspirational app. I, there's probably things on Instagram and Pinterest that show up every day. And just sort of use that as your thought of the day to kind of stay with you as your center when you're navigating your day and maybe getting pulled off course in more challenging circumstances to keep you centered and in touch with yourself. Um, I love how you said this earlier. Speak to God the way you would your deepest friend. Fill the gaps of your day with the remembrance of God. So, for example, it could be um, an affirmation you give to yourself, like, I fill my heart with I love or um, help me to transmute this anger, find something that's sort of the language of your higher self that 
is relevant to, to your day. And then finally, find some time every day for introspection. So give yourself a little fast from social media and even take five, seven, 10 minutes a day to free up time just to contemplate your day. And again, just to check in with yourself and see how you're feeling. Um, is there anything you'd like to say with the few minutes we have remaining just to expound on any of those? No, those are great uh, action items because that introspection, we can't change unless we know there's a problem. And if we don't take the time to introspect, we can't make the necessary changes in our life, the beneficial changes, I should say. So just that, that little time, some people think, well, I have to meditate for an hour. And yeah, it'd be nice if you could, but build up to it. Start with three minutes, and a few weeks go to five. Uh, do what you can and build on that. That's the key. So you develop your spiritual muscle. Mm. Yes. Exactly. Exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to give it a workout because it does have a cumulative effect. I've learned that, right? It really is cumulative. The right. well fills up. It definitely, um, it does fill up. So quickly, just to reiterate, carve out some time every day to get to know your soul via these three minutes of meditation in the morning and at night, find a version of spiritual study, read a passage that keeps you inspired um, that you, that, that you hold with you throughout the day, speak to God, like you would your dearest friend and ask for what your soul needs that day and find some time for introspection. We want to thank, first of all, Everybody here that's welcomed us to the Self-Realization Fellowship today, Brother Ritananda, it's been such a joy and a gift to meet you. So thank you. Um, we are, you can find us on online radio, on Instagram, on Facebook. And next week we have another delicious, exciting show. Our beloved other favorite luminary, Ramdas is going to be featured and we are going to have a first time ever show with his biological son peter richard and his wife linda talking about their relationship with their father and father-in-law in the later chapters of his life so we look forward to having you join us then see you next week Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.